Hi, Victoria. I'd love to hear more about some strategies you have for classroom setup of barred instruments or non-pitch percussion. So my students are new to barred instruments, um, but they've had many experiences practicing both rhythm and pitch um, concepts in our class. Um, so I'd love to then transfer that over to the instruments. Um, and I'd love to hear about some strategies you have for uh, taking out the instruments, setting them up in a way that's time efficient. Um, that would be wonderful. Thank you. This is such a fun question, and it's one that we could talk about for a long time. I am hearing this question kind of divided into two parts. The first just being how exactly are we going to use these instruments? And then the second part of the question is how are we going to facilitate the use of these instruments? So let's jump in with some ideas for using classroom instruments. And then we are going to think through some guiding questions that will help us decide how best to facilitate the instruments in terms of loading and unloading and setting them up in the classroom and deciding who gets what and everything like that. Before I had these instruments in my teaching, I would go to an ORF workshop and look at all of the activities that we were doing, um, you know, or Kodai workshop for that matter, uh, and look at all of the activities that we were doing. And I would think to myself, man, if I even had these instruments, I don't know where I would start. And the irony of that is that my primary instrument in my undergrad degree was percussion. So even though I've spent a lot of time with this genre of musical thinking, I was at a loss for exactly what form these instruments were supposed to take in the classroom. So that's the first question that we can address is just very simply, how are we going to use these instruments, pitched and unpitched percussion? Pitch percussion are things like what we refer to often as ORF instruments or uh, barred instruments. And those are glockenspiels, metallophones, and xylophones. These are child-sized so that the students have agency over this particular musical medium. Unpitched percussion is kind of everything else. These are your shakers, they are your scrapers, they are your woods, they are your metals and your skins. So things like rhythm sticks, maracas, uh, jingle bell shakers, tubanos, djembes, other types of hand drums or frame drums, triangles, tambourines, viper slap, all of these fun toys go in the category of unpitched percussion. There are a few ways we can use these and Basically, the way I think about it when I am considering uh, how to set up instruments in the classroom or for that particular day or whatever it is, uh, the question is, how are we using these instruments? And there are kind of two categories that instrumental work falls into inside my brain. One of them is accompaniment to the ensemble and the other one is the ensemble itself. Accompaniment to an ensemble would be something like the instrumental part being embedded in a game, such as if you are doing a counting out game like BB Bumblebee and whoever is out moves to a tubano to play the steady beat, or they have the option of moving to rhythm sticks to play the rhythm of the words. 
Another area where the instruments could be an accompaniment to the ensemble would be something like in Here Comes a Bluebird. If all of the students are playing the game and you just have one or two students move over to a bass or alto xylophone and they play a bordoon, that is an accompaniment to the ensemble. The mallet instruments are not intended to be the ensemble part itself. They are there just to provide a harmonic foundation. So that's the first category that I kind of think through in my mind in terms of how we are using instruments. The other category is that the instruments are the ensemble itself. So in something like very specific melodic or rhythmic work where every student or almost every student is at a barred instrument or doing some other melodic reinforcement activity. And what I'm describing here is a situation where you have two partners behind a barred instrument and one partner is playing while the other partner is singing the melody on solfege. The point of that activity is inextricably linked to the melodic work that students are actualizing on the barred instruments. You could do the same thing with something like tubanos. So if you have two students each at a single tubano and one person improvises a rhythmic question and the second one improvises a rhythmic answer. Again, the instruments are the ensemble itself in that scenario. Another option for, or another example of instruments being the ensemble instead of accompaniment to the ensemble would be something like an ORF arrangement. The reason that these questions are important, thinking about the use of the instrument, is that that is going to kind of dictate or at least inform in some way how we move to and from an activity, or in other words, the classroom transition. Let's talk about a couple other guiding questions that can help us decide how to use the instruments and how to facilitate the use of the instruments. The first question is, what are students doing in your classroom? What is the goal of your music room? And then the follow-up question is, how can the setup serve that function? So here is my recommendation with this. If you have chairs in rows set up in your music room, depending on the size of your music room, that probably means that your classroom is very well set up for things like singing songs or reading uh, notational literacy activities from the board. Those things will be very easy to facilitate in a room full of chairs. Things that will be trickier to facilitate in a room full of chairs are going to be things like movement and barred instruments and, um, you know, some singing games and folk dances and things like that. And it's not that you're not allowed to have chairs in the music room. And again, depending on the size of your music room, you might have plenty of room to have chairs in there. And perhaps, you know, you set them up in an arc in the back of the room instead of having them, you know, kind of front and center. It is just a matter of what are the actions you want students to perform in your classroom and how is the setup of your classroom in terms of like the physical space, how is that setup serving the function? So if you want to have the flexibility of using instruments in many different ways, in many different student groupings, it is likely that you will prioritize open space rather than space with chairs. 
And I want to reiterate again uh, that there is nothing wrong with having chairs in the music room. It just helps serve a different function. Another guiding question for us to think about is how often are we using the instruments in your teaching? Uh, do you find yourself using instruments every single class, every single day, or is it kind of some grade levels sometimes, or some parts of the year more than others? How often you are using these instruments is going to have an impact on how you choose to set them up and take them out. The other guiding question to think about is, does everyone need an instrument for this activity? And does everyone need an instrument every single class? So again, the purpose of the activity is going to dictate or impact the setup of your classroom. And it's going to impact how you choose to facilitate the instrument distribution and then packing up the instrument after the activity. Let's move on to talking about the second part of this question, which is a about taking out the instruments and setting them up in a way that is time efficient. This is a big deal. We can lose a lot of time in transitions, just like passing out instruments and reminding students that if they play before we say we will take their instrument away and, you know, loading and unloading things, scrambling between classes. That is not what we want to do. So let's think about some storage ideas and then some distribution ideas for these instruments. As far as unpitched percussion, I want to store these in Ikea bins or in tubs from Walmart, and I like them to be organized by family. So woods, metals, skins, uh, shakers, scrapers. And you know, some music classrooms have these beautiful walk-in closets for storage where they can store all of their, uh, you know, their sheet music and all of their unpitched percussion and all of their pitched percussion and extra mallets and cleaning supplies, you know, and all of that can go inside this really beautiful closet. Some people have that available to them. Not everyone does. So if you are not in a position to store things out of sight, out of mind, the opposite approach works just as well. Keep things in your classroom organized in bins. That way, when it's a day that you are using, let's say rhythm sticks, you can just grab this tub of Ikea, this tub uh, from Ikea full of rhythm sticks and throw it in the front of your room. That way it's right there as soon as you need it. So storage bins organized by family is my first recommendation for storing unpitched percussion. Again, because they're easy to move around the room before or after class, and you can also move them around during things like centers. And then another perk is that as long as they are clearly labeled, they are very easy for students to put away themselves. As far as some of these larger unpitched percussion instruments, such as tubanos or djembes or other standing drums, I like to keep them out on the floor so we can use them easily, but I want them to be away from door traffic as much as possible. So depending on the setup of your room, that might, uh, you know, look a couple different ways, but in general, I want them out so that I can use them and I want them to be away from students walking in and out of the classroom as much as I can. 
As far as pitched percussion, the bard instruments or the orf instruments, these are easy to store because they can all stack on top of each other, or at least uh, instruments in the same category can stack on top of each other. So what I mean by that is if you have, you know, three alto xylophones, those can stack on top of each other. And then the nice thing is that for, uh, you know, your average sized human adult, we can just pick up a stack of three instruments instruments and move them around like that, as opposed to moving instruments one at a time. Another way this comes in handy is when we pair it with this second setup idea, which is literally taping off the floor where you want instruments to go. In general, it's a really good idea to consider moving your instruments into an arc as opposed to straight lines, and that lets students see and hear each other a little bit better. And there are some specific setup ideas that people have in terms of designing this ensemble makeup. Uh, but in general, we are going to put the lower pitched instruments in the back and our higher pitched instruments towards the front. So if you have two lines of instruments in an arc, then you can tape off the floor exactly where you want each instrument to go. And when I have done this in the past, I want students to be able to put things away and take things out as efficiently as possible. And so I measured out exactly where do I want each instrument to go. And so if a soprano xylophone is 24 inches long, I have a piece of 24 inch tape that I put on the floor and on it, I write soprano xylophone. <laughs> that way, when fifth graders are working in centers and I say, okay, everybody clean up, please. They put them exactly where I want them to go every single time. One recommendation that I would have is if possible, it would be great if you can keep a few barred instruments out all the time. The reason this is doable in many classroom scenarios, not all, and I want to be, you know, just aware that everybody is teaching in a different sized room, but if it is at all possible to have, let's just say an alto xylophone and a soprano xylophone and a glockenspiel out all the time, that will make your life a lot easier. And then the rest of the instruments can hopefully just be stacked off to one side of the room. That way, if you need to place them out in between classes, it's very easy just to pick up a stack of four soprano xylophones and just boom, 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 right on the floor where you have taped it off. That makes it much easier to work with um, rather than having something that you have to load and unload every single time. Now, if you have a whole class set of barred instruments and you have the space to leave the whole class set out all the time with all of your unpitched percussion um, set up, then, you know, absolutely, by all means, do that. But I know that many teachers are having to think through some of these spatial considerations and really prioritize what you want to be out on the floor that students will have easy access to and what do you want to be put away out of sight out of mind um, because you're not using it all the time the reason i like to keep just a few instruments out if that's possible is that it just makes it easier in a game to send someone to an instrument and it, this setup time is just a little bit easier for you 
these questions about how are we going to pass out instruments and take them back up? How are we going to do this in a way that is time efficient? That question is essentially about classroom transitions, which is how we are moving from the activities that we do in the classroom, or how are we moving from, um, the different points of one activity. So what are the procedures within an activity? And then also how are we moving from class to class? So a couple of different types of classroom transitions to think through activity to activity, different modes of musicking within a single activity and a larger picture class to class. The idea with a classroom transition is to eliminate any empty space where students don't have a direction. And as crazy as it sounds, simply saying, everyone go get rhythm sticks and meet me back in your spot. Even though that is a direction to students, it's actually not quite enough of a direction to keep them busy in between that empty space of leaving my spot going to pick up rhythm sticks and coming back. There's a lot that can go on in between those two locations. So a classroom transition can help us kind of keep our class on the rails in, in between the rails in a way that is still effective and musical. The question we're going to ask is how can I add music or musical thinking between point A and point B? And what will students be doing as we move from point A to point B? So where am I trying to go? What's the point? And what are students going to do in the meantime? Let's talk about some logistic ideas for pitched and unpitched percussion in terms of transitions. I find that unpitched percussion is logistically easier than barred instruments. And one reason is that they are in general less expensive. And so I feel a little bit less pressure. They also tend to be smaller than pitched percussion, uh, which just in general makes them a little bit easier. So let's talk about some different transition ideas. I have found that the most hassle-free way to just get up and get moving with instruments is to embed them in part of a game. And an elimination game or a counting out or something like that is often the easiest one to use. So elimination games are things like apple tree or a counting out game would be something like BB Bumblebee or Zapatitos Blancos or something like that. Someone is it, someone is out, someone is chosen, someone is eliminated. And when that person is out, they move to an instrument. So let's say that students are going to be playing the game Apple Tree, singing and playing the game to Apple Tree. And when they are out, they move to an instrument. This is again where it's just convenient to have some instruments that are always out all the time. Because if students see the instrument, they know they can play it as a choice of uh, some of these instrument options embedded in a game. So depending on the purpose of your activity, the reason you chose that students needed to sing and play the game to Apple Tree that day, that can kind of dictate their instrument choices. So when they are out in the game, they either go to a barred instrument and play a Bordoon, or they go play the melody of the song along with the game, or they go to a rhythm instrument and play the rhythm of the song or a steady beat on another rhythm instrument. And again, that will depend on why you chose this particular activity, this particular song and game. So embedding 
unpitched and pitched percussion in part of a game is the easiest way to uh, pass things out and take them back up because there is no passing out or taking back up, especially if you have things out already. Students just go and then they come back. Sometimes you are going to want to pass out instruments though. And the way to facilitate that, uh, let's go back to this idea of BB Bumblebee. Students are going to be doing something very specifically. We want them doing something with their hands and we want them doing something with their voices. So the teacher can be walking around students as they are in a circle playing the game to BB Bumblebee. That way, everyone is patting a steady beat or they are passing the ball and everyone is speaking. So while students play the game, the teacher is just walking around them behind the circle and placing rhythm sticks down on the ground. And it should take you, you know, about one round of the game to get everyone a rhythm stick. And then it's just turn around and play the rhythm of the words on your rhythm sticks. Great. Now go to rest position. And it's that simple. And then when it's time to pick them up, students can just place them down behind them again and you come back around them and uh, pick them back up again while they're playing the game. The idea here, the main thing with this is that students are actively doing something so that they're not reaching around to grab the instruments before it's time. Another option, you know, one of the guiding questions was, does every student need to have an instrument every single time? You could, while you're doing BB Bumblebee, you could pass out a rhythm stick set to every other inst- every other student in the circle. And then those students turn around, grab the rhythm sticks, and they're going to play the rhythm of the words while their classmates next to them pat the steady beat. And then the people with the rhythm sticks just hand them off to the person next to them. That way, everyone gets a turn playing the rhythm sticks that day. And when you do it this way, you have eliminated half of the work, right? Because you're only passing out half as many sets of rhythm sticks. And then let's talk about picking them up after you've distributed them to the class. Uh, In that scenario, it's just, it is very easy for students just to place the rhythm sticks behind them and play the game again, like the regular passing game, while you walk around and pick them up. Another way to facilitate getting instruments back from students is just to keep the activity going. And while the activity is still going on, you are just collecting them. The nice thing about that is that students still have something to do while you are collecting these instruments. And so we're not losing any downtime. So if we were to use the BB Bumblebee example, students would be playing the rhythm of the words on rhythm sticks while they speak the text. And you are just walking around in a circle with the bin collecting instruments as you walk around. So the music never stops. You just take the instruments and then move on to the next activity. I will add that I don't even announce that I am now coming to take your rhythm stick. Please put your rhythm stick set in this bin when I get to you. Uh, Thank you. One, two, here we go. (laughs) I don't say any of that. Students are just playing and I walk around with the tub and they just drop them in. And as a quick aside, this is an example with unpitched percussion, but remember we were talking about how convenient it is if you have instruments in stacks in your room, if you don't have time or the space to leave every single instrument out all of the time. If you just have a stack of four soprano xylophones, you can do the same thing. Just walk around students behind the students' backs and just place down an instrument behind them. And then students turn and maybe two or three students are together at a barred instrument. 
instrument, doing whatever uh, melodic work you are doing. This is very easy to do if you have enough uh, soprano xylophones, and it's even much easier to do with glockenspiels just because of the size. Another option when you are passing out instruments is a check for readiness. This works very well with older students or any uh, age group that is capable of independent work or kind of self-monitored small group work. So let's imagine that older students are working on a stick tossing game or a hand clapping game that we are going to move to rhythm sticks. Uh, so students are going to be working in partners and practicing the hand clapping game. I'm thinking about something like Sarah Sponda. And then when they're ready for the teacher to watch, they're going to give the teacher a thumbs up. So two thumbs up go in the air and the teacher watches them and then decides if they are ready to move on to rhythm sticks or barred instruments or whatever it is. So the teacher can be either walking around with the tub of rhythm sticks or depending on your students, uh, you can just say thumbs up, nice work, go get some rhythm sticks and come back. And because students are going just in pairs and not, you know, 25 students rushing the, the instrument section at once, this is a very manageable thing to do in a way that keeps everybody moving forward. You can use this same idea, this check for readiness in a composition activity. So if students are in small groups practicing their compositions and uh, practicing the way they have notated the composition for body percussion, then when they're ready to move on, same thing, thumbs up, go in the air, the teacher watches them perform, and then if they're ready, the teacher can motion for them to go grab an instrument and bring it back to their group. With younger students, you might have small groups singing and signing solfege to the melody of a known song. And then when they're ready for the teacher to watch them, same thing, thumbs up in the air, the teacher watches them sing and sign whatever that melody is. And then you choose as the teacher, one of those students to walk and bring a barred instrument back for that small group to play the melody on. And then it's just as simple as if you brought the instrument to your group, please take it back. And that way, you know, if you have groups of three or four, that is just cutting down on the amount of chaos <laughs> transporting uh, instruments to small groups and back. And this is another area where having the tape on the floor where exactly every single instrument goes, if they are all out, uh, that is really going to save you a lot of time and headache. The last transition I am just calling the pass off. <laughs> and this goes back to that question of, you know, does every student need an instrument at the same time? So let's imagine that in Plansies Clapsies, a few students are playing the melody, a few students are playing a Bordoon, and everybody else is playing the game. So maybe you have four students on mallets and the rest of the students are in open space singing and playing the game. After one round of the game, those mallet players take their mallets and they walk around the instruments and hand their mallets to a classmate. And so then that mallet player is going to take the scarf of the person who is playing the game. The person who is playing the game is going to take the mallets and move to the barred instruments. So depending on the size of your class and how many instruments are available to you, this is a really great way to make sure that everyone gets a chance to play a barred instrument, but you don't need to set up every single instrument in your classroom and take the whole uh, planning period, setting things up and then tearing them back down. The very last transition I want to talk about is an ending activity into an open activity. So this is transitioning not from activity to activity, but more class to class in the, the daily flow of your schedule. 
So if students are ending their activity with an unpitched percussion um, play along to one of their favorite songs, at the end of that, before they go to line up, instead of putting all of those instruments away, students just place them down on their spots and then go line up. Then when your next class comes in, all of the instruments are already out. So that day you would just do your warm up routine instead of using body percussion for your warm up routine. Students just reach down and play the instrument that is at their feet and then hand it off to the person to their right so that uh, different people get chances to play different instruments. So I know that when you listen to someone explain all of these activities, it sounds kind of dense, but just to recap, in answer to the questions about using instruments and then um, having some strategies to take them out and set them up in a way that is time efficient, we are going to consider how we are using the instruments, whether they are the ensemble itself or if they are an accompaniment to the ensemble. We're also going to think about our class classroom setup and the purpose of the music class and how the setup of the music room can serve the function. We also talked about some ways to store instruments or leave them out. Um, you know, pitched percussion can hopefully be set out in some capacity and we might be using floor tape in an arc to, to help that. And then unpitched percussion can be in storage bins. That way we can easily move them around wherever we need. And then we had lots of ideas for transitions. I should also add that these transition ideas are by no means the only ones out there, but some of these uh, procedures can serve to kind of get our creative wheels turning and thinking about how we can keep music activities moving, musical thinking moving while these instruments are getting passed out and then taken back up. When we think very strategically about how to keep musical activities and musical thinking moving, even when we are going through some of these logistics, those thoughts, those transitions are what makes the music class woven together in a way that feels play-based and musical and magical for both us and our students. <laughs>